0: This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com Sukkot—it's one of the beautiful holidays. It's a really beautiful holiday, especially here in Israel, when the weather—the weather is so good. You can actually sit and enjoy your sukkah. Sometimes even it gets a bit hot, so you can sit and enjoy. You can lie down. You can go to sleep in a sukkah. It's beautiful. So why Sukkot? Why Sukkot? Let's just start off with why Sukkot. So number one, it's—it's it's close proximity to Yom Kippur. It's just few days, five days after Yom Kippur, and we celebrate, imagine we're celebrating after the Day of Atonement to show we have faith that Hashem forgave us, we have faith in Hashem that He forgave us, so one of the first reasons is why Sukkot, why is it straight after Yom Kippur to show Hashem, thank you Hashem, we have faith that you forgive us, we are enjoying ourselves in your Sukkah, and what does the Sukkah represent? Sukkah represents faith, it represents faith in God why you live in a little booth you go out leave your house and go live in a booth and it shows faith in Hashem and in fact that's what the sukkah represents Machluch in the Gemara does represent actual Sukkot which is Rabbi Akiva Rabbi Akiva says they actually built huts in the desert 40 years in the desert they built huts and Rabbi Yeza says no they didn't build huts they had the clouds of glory the sukkah represents clouds of glory which if you don't I wish, I wish I could even see a cloud of glory. I wish we could feel a cloud of glory. That I means you're surrounded by God's presence. Basically, it's surrounded by, by God's presence. And that's what a sukkah represents. How do we know that represents? Because the gematria of the word sukkah is 91. I don't know if you know, 91 is a very, very important number. 91 is yudke vavke plus alev It's like It's like 26 plus 65. Amazing. It represents Hashem's. Hashgachah, Hashem's divine providence over us. And it's the same as the word Amen. Amen is also divine providence. Yeah, we believe in you, Hashem. It's faith and divine providence. So we believe in Hashem's providence. Sukkah represents faith in Hashem's providence. And we we sit in the Sukkah straight after Yom Kippur to show we believe in Hashem. He's going to save us. He's going to give us another year of of life. He's going to give us another year of life. All of us will get another year of life at least. And yeah, that's the, what the Sukkot represents, straight after Yom Kippur. Number two, the clouds of glory. When Jews were absolved from the sin of the golden calf, the clouds of glory came back. They disappeared after the sin of the golden calf, and they came back on Sukkot. So that is, again, it shows again Hashem's mercy. He had mercy on us. We re-entered Hashem's protection. And it's interesting that three mitzvot a person can do with their whole body. I'm sure you know three mitzvot you can do with your whole body. Number one is a mikvah. The whole body is immersed in it. Number two is you're living in Israel. Oh, that's the whole body is in Israel. You're doing a mitzvah. The whole body you're not just part of your body. It's not like wearing tefillin on your hand or your head and wearing talid on the body, but it's the whole body is immersed in the mitzvah. And uh, number three is a sukkah. A sukkah is a person's immersed inside a sukkah. That's amazing. Feel Hashem's providence, with, especially when it's not so nice weather, especially when you have who knows outside, who, who's lurking outside in the shadows and shadows. We, we believe in Hashem, we trust in Hashem. So it's number two, it's a cloud of glory when they would absolve from their sin uh, for the golden calf. Number three, <clears throat> it underscores the profound dialogue between the physical and the spiritual. Whereas Yom Kippur, we celebrate in a physical way. Why? was does that mean? We, we refrain from physicality. We refrain from washing and uh, anointing and wearing leather shoes. And we're moving to the, from the negative to the positive. And here on Sukkot, we are using physical things. Imagine using branches and twigs and the leftovers, that the Torah tells us, the leftovers of the vineyard. Imagine leftover twigs in the vineyard. We use all the, all the garbage, really, putting on top of our roof and what's the idea the idea is number one is recycling take the garbage Hashem your says put the garbage on your roof that's very that's a very high level right using garbage without other people throw out we put it our roofs, we put it in our mitzvah we recycle everything i'm saying the importance of recycling the physicality and make it spiritual in the worst kind of physicality you make it the worst kind of physicality spiritual it's going to be the schach. it's going to be the top part of the roof which is the most important part of the sukkah and we're meant to have Look through the sukkah and find God. We're meant to look through the schach, which is the garbage in our lives. That's the hard part. But everyone has garbage in their lives. Some you know, bad things going on, who knows what. There's garbage in our lives. We're meant to look through the garbage and find Hashem. That's an amazing concept. There's so much garbage in our lives. And a person's going to try and skip the garbage and jump over the garbage and ignore the garbage, look through the garbage and find God through the garbage. It's amazing. Why is this happening to me, Hashem? Gamzu, Tova, whatever it is, find Hashem in, in the garbage in our lives. So it's a beautiful idea that is a, a dialogue between, you know, the, the physical and the spiritual. And it provides the pure spirituality of Yom Kippur, the physical conflict. How do you take the spiritual highs in Yom Kippur and make it, bring it down to earth? And the answer is you build this up, you Sufi, imagine, especially over here in Israel, it's just amazing. Because you can't sleep the night after after keep Kippur, you don't sleep. Why everyone's banging away, They're building this support? I don't know. I don't have a good idea on that. I don't have new perspectives. You're waking people up in the middle of the night. People banging away, but you know what? It's meant to be a mitzvah leads to another mitzvah. So mitzvah go ahead, mitzvah. People do it because they want to be spiritually high. Building a physical object. That's that's Judaism. Judaism is taking physicality and elevating. Okay, it's totally different from other religions where you just keep away physicality. You go and become a monk in a monastery, right? Judah says, no. Take the physicality and make it spiritual. How do you make physicality spiritual? And the answer is you build a hut using physical objects and use that to serve Hashem. Use that. Where do we learn this concept? We're going to talk about amazing source in the Torah. Okay, number four is a Midrash. This is an interesting Midrash. The Midrash says, that there was a prisoner who got so used to his prison, he didn't realize he was a prisoner, right? And in other words, what does that mean? Really, a lot of people are prisoners. They're prisoners with their habits, some very bad habits. Addicts, for example. People are addicted, right? So some people are prisoners. They don't realize they're prisoners. And even young people were prisoners. And, because everything is the same. We go back to our houses. We go back to the Gashmir, We go back to the physicality. Hashem says, you know what? You have to go into Galut. You have to go in exile. How do you release yourself from a prison? If you only to realize that you're in a prison. How do you realize you're in a prison? You have to leave the prison and go into something else. You have to go to rehab. What is the rehab? Sukkah. The sukkah is the rehab. The sukkah is this idea that you leave your house where you're used to. You're used to your house, your physicality around you. And you go and sit in a hut. I, I tell you, it's very hard to do. It's very hard to do. Unless you build your hut in your house. You, know, you, put, it in your, you put it on your uh, balcony, and it's really inside part of your house. And my brother in England has a sukkah in his, in his living room, right? The roof opens, and it's his living room. So, so you're really living inside the, the sukkah. It's your living room. But you don't feel it. You don't feel it as much. You're living in a hut. Like my, my sukkah, so I have a small one on my balcony, a tiny balcony. And then i got a big one outside in, in the garden. So you really feel like you're leaving your house exiled. And you go going to the sukkah because then you've got to change your perspectives. That's the idea. The idea is to change one's perspectives. Sort from of, a physical perspective. It's a bigger spiritual perspective. You, you know, you leave your house. Uh, you know, everyone knows this joke. This is one of my favorite jokes. You know, the guy, the guy you know, especially how they lived in a, a couple of hundred years ago. Uh, you know, everyone lived in one room. So he's living in this one room and he's having a large family, seven kids, eight kids. He goes to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, I can't take any it's too much noise. A balagan. You know what balagan is? It's, disg- it's a disaster. This kid's running here, running there, dirt over there. What can I do? So the rabbi says, Okay, no problem. I got a cure for it. Number one is you have uh, chickens. He says, Yeah, sure. We have roosters in the backyard and chickens and hens. He said, Bring them into your house. He brings them into the house. He said, God, it's disgusting. It's disaster. The children and the rooster and the hen. A disaster. Goes back to the Rabbi. He said, rabbi, I can't take anymore. Rabbi says, You have any goats? He says, Yeah, I have a goat. He said, Bring it into your house. He goes back the next week. He says, Rabbi, my life is hell. He says, Okay, now you can take out the goat. So he comes back next week. Rabbi says, How was it? He says, Oh, it's much better without the goat, thank God. He says, oh, Now take out the chickens. Okay, so we have the week after he doesn't come back to Rabbi, Rabbi says, What happened? You didn't come back to me? He says, Well, now I feel everything's back to normal, thank God. Everything. <laughs> In other words, to appreciate what we have, we have to leave. You have to leave. That's the paradigm. The paradigm's got to shift. We leave our houses. We don't appreciate houses and outfit says. And this leads to joy. I'm going to talk about, that's really a part of my topic, is a simcha. Because where does the Torah use the word simcha the most? By sukkot. Sukkot is The most happy holiday. It's Hag simchaten. It's man simchaten. It's the time for our joy. Now, I can imagine, Joy, you put, you put yourself up in a five-star, if you can afford that, says Everyone go to a five-star hotel and have a week, of Joy. No, should says no. The five-star hotel is your backyard and build a hut in the backyard. And what's the idea? The idea is, when do you appreciate most what you have is when you have to leave it. We don't appreciate what we have. So Hashem says, you know, go live in your backyard and find joy in the simple pleasures of life. And that's what we have to do. We have to try and find joy in Sukkot. Find joy in the simple pleasures of life, going back to nature, in a sense. Going back to nature, appreciating the sky, which we don't see enough. Appreciating what's under our feet, appreciating nature, appreciating the birds, appreciating, appreciating nature, but going back to the basics. That's the idea. Sukkot is going back to the basics. So obviously, if you say the Sukkot is in, uh, in, uh, in essence the clouds of glory, you have to really appreciate what is the clouds of glory. Now we can understand a bit of what is the clouds of glory. The clouds of glory is when you realize everything is from God. Everything is from God. God sustains us. And we, we appreciate more when you're outside in the elements. When you're outside in the elements, you can appreciate how Hashem sustains us. When you're inside the house, you don't appreciate It's artificial. It's like a little cocoon. So these are some ideas. <laughs> so we, this is some of the ideas of Sukkot. And uh, so what happens is as a prisoner in, in this, this beautiful prison. He doesn't realize he's in prison. It's so comfortable in the prison. So sometimes we're in a prison and we don't realize we're in the prison. I should say, go into exile and realize this is a prison. You have to ch- change your paradigm. Paradigm shift realize that sometimes we, we're prisoners of our own habits, we're prisoners of our own uh, ideas, and just change, go outside, and change the paradigm Paradigm shift. Free yourself. So that's a, a beautiful, I have some ideas, there's many more brilliant ideas, I'm going to leave you with those ideas, but I want to move on, because we have three festivals, the Shalosh Regali. they're three, they're called the three foot festivals, why? Because three times a year, when there was a temple, every Jew had to walk to the temple, imagine, imagine walking, in those days, no cars, no transits, you have your donkey, and your, your cart and you walk to the temple with your children, and your wife, and you go to Yushalayim three times a year, Hashem says, you will see my face three times a year. But you can't see Hashem's face. Hashem doesn't have a face. But you can get close to me. The closest we can get to God is through the temple. Today, you see how many Jews go to the hotel. Why? They want to get close to God. And you feel the presence. You feel some kind of presence. Obviously, you person's got to be spiritually sensitive to feel the presence of Hashem. And where does everyone go to feel the presence of Hashem? We go to the Kotel. And it's interesting how many non-Jews at the Kotel come to see what the Jews find in the temple and the Kotel. So it's, it's amazing. Three times a year. We all have to go to the Beit Dash. and the rabbis tell us these three times a year are corresponding to the three forefathers. Now that's, when you say three forefathers, I mean three forefathers, F-O-R-E. Three forefathers, our forefathers, Abraham, and Safi, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And these three holidays Profile, profound, profound symbolism of Judaism is they represent these three of our great fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, it's interesting how these how these, how these festivals uh, represent the four fathers. So number one is that in the Shema, there's an interesting mitzvah, which is such a hard mitzvah to do. It's a very esoteric kind of mitzvah. It says, mm-hmm. You will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. I don't know about you, it's such a hard mitzvah to do. How can you love something you can't see, you can't touch, you can't feel? And the answer is you have to be able to get into a relationship with God. The person has to start a relationship because the person's going to know whatever they got is from Hashem. And whatever you give back is your prayers and your mitzvah, whatever you try and do for Hashem. So it's a kind of relationship, a give and take relationship, relationship. Obviously, Hashem doesn't take from us, but we think in our heads, our simple minds, we think, you know, I'm doing mitzvahs for God. Now, really, it's for us. But if you do it for God, you get reward for doing it for God, whatever it is. It's really for us. But it's like a give and take. It's a relationship. How do you build a relationship with God by the give and take of a relationship? Everything you get is from God. Good, bad, whatever it is. The person is going to ask questions. Hashem, why do you do this to me? Let me find out what's the reason. Maybe I need to, to shoot for Maybe I need to change what I'm doing and build a relationship. The person is going to think in terms of a relationship, but Hashem, it's a relationship. And then the person can say, oh, "After that, Hashem, God tells us." You will love God. You, If you have a relationship with God, then you can love God. So we have to love God. Right? How do you love God? Now, this is the three. Look at the three. All your heart. How, what do you mean? How do you love God with all your heart? Faith. Complete faith in God. Complete faith in God. With all your soul, the rabbis say, well, if he takes away your soul, which means the person's got to die for God. Right? A lot of Jews in the Middle Ages died for God. They gave their lives you know, as opposed to going and changing their religion. To say I believe in one God. I don't believe in the Trinity. I don't believe in other gods. They they died. They died for God. Literally died for God. And number three is with all your money, with all your physical wealth, and that's that's okay. So there's the four fathers. The three fathers we had. Abraham Avinu symbolizes loving God. He had total faith in God to the point where he smashed the idols of his father. His father had a store. Terah, his father, had a store selling idols. and he goes with his Terah, goes away on vacation, puts Abraham in charge, back choice, and Abraham smashes the idols. Okay, so that's love of God. And I love God to the point where I'll smash my father's idols. I can't take idol worship. I can't take other gods. I can't. I love I love God. I'm, I'm faithful to my wife. I can't have another wife. I can't have a concubine. I can't have a, a fool around with other people. I love my God. So that is love, love. That's Abraham Abedin. All right. number two is love God with all your heart. Number two. All oh, your soul. Who gave his soul for God? Yitzhak Avinu. Yitzhak Avinu. Now, you know, you look at the pictures. You'll see Abraham, an old man, carrying his little baby son. Yitzhak for the Akedah. Wrong. Yitzhak was thirty-seven years old. The rabbi says he was thirty-seven years old because he got married three years later when he was forty. So he was thirty-seven years old. He he wasn't taken by his old, by his old father to the Akedah. He went voluntarily. He was willing to give his soul for God. With all your heart, with all your soul. Heart is Abraham, soul is Yitzhak. With all your money. Who is that? That was Yaakov bin. Where do we see that Yaakov served God with his money? Number one is he was running away from his parents. And Eliphaz, his nephew, the son of Esau, comes with orders from his Esau to kill him. And he tells Eliphaz, says, Sorry, uh, I, I hate to do this, uncle. In fact, uh, the Midrash says uh, Eliphaz grew up on Yitzhak's lap he said i can't do this to my uncle i, I mean i know i know i know enough from my grandfather that i'm not gonna have to kill so he says yakov what, what do i do my father said to kill you what should i do so Yaakov says take all my possessions take everything i have a poor man is like a dead man in jewish in jewish uh, theology a poor man has nothing nothing to eat nothing to drink nothing to wear is like a dead man it's like being alive but dead at the same time in a sense so he says, Take all my take all my wealth. I we will need to serve God with my wealth. Take all my wealth. And then Yaakov has this vision, this vision of the ladder going up to heaven, which is the linkage between heaven and earth. He sees there's a link between heaven and earth. What is the link between heaven and earth? And the answer is, Yaakov is the first person to give tithes. He said, Hashem, if you bring me back to this place. Whatever I get, I'm going to give you ten percent. He's the first one, and in, he invented the spiritual concept of the tithes, one-tenth, giving tzedakah, giving tithes, one tenth, giving one tenth of our wealth to Hashem. So he served Hashem with wealth. And where did he learn this from? And the answer is, there's a beautiful gematria. The word sulam, he saw a ladder. Sulam is a ladder. One thirty-six gematria. One thirty-six. Sulam is one thirty-six. And the word mammon, which is money, is also one thirty-six. Mammon is also one thirty-six. So sulam Ladder, 136. Mammon, money, 136. Psalm is also 136, So fast. The Fast is also, this number 136 is interesting because it's an uh, amazing, amazing concept. So he loves Hashem with his money. He's the one who loves Hashem with the money most. That is, uh, is Yaakov, Yaakov Avinu, loves Hashem with his money, he's to give 10% of his wealth to Hashem. And that means, what does that mean? That means taking your physical physicality and giving it to Hashem and making it spiritual. By giving tzedakah, we make that money spiritual. We translate, transform that money to spirituality. So Jewish teaching is a person does not become a saint by being poor. You can't become a saint by being poor. No such thing. You can't. You shouldn't make a vow. Of, and someone keeps keeps asking me, should I fast? Should I fast? Why should I fast? You know, I have a problem with my daughter. I need a marriage. Should I fast? Definitely not. That is not Judaism. Judaism is not fasting and fasting, fasting. In fact, Judaism is eating. We know that every time there's a holiday, we eat. (laughs) Judaism is eating. Why? You make blessings on the food. You transform the physical food into spiritual energy. That's the whole idea of Judaism is take that food, eat it. Eat it, enjoy it, and use it to serve God. Use it as strength to serve God. That's the idea. You love your bed? Good sleep in the bed, and be strong to serve God in the morning. So it's taking the physical and transforming to spiritual. That is really the idea of Sukkot. The idea of Sukkot is taking these, the garbage in our lives and uh, making it physical, spiritual, and using it to serve God. Take the physicality and use it to serve Hashem. That's an amazing concept. That is really a truly amazing concept. We all have to do that, take the spirit, physical and make it into spiritual. So Judaism says you don't become a saint if you take a vow of poverty. You become holy if you use your wealth to enhance and sanctify the presence of God on earth. That's how person become spiritual by sanctifying the presence of God in the world. And the uh, Da'vinish gives a beautiful concept. He says, "When you give tzedakah to someone, he says, have in mind yud kevavke.' Have in mind the yud kevavke of Hashem's name. How the money you give, the coin you give, to the yud. The hay is your hand, the five fingers. hey, five fingers. The vav is your arm." And the hey, last hey, is the, the hand of the person receiving. So make that, you can, you know, taking that spiritual, uh, the physical act of giving and make it to a spiritual quantity. Thinking yud kei taking that physical act of charity and making it to a yud it making creating worlds in the worlds above. We'll all be capable and, and think about this concept. Every time you give tzedekah, every time you help someone, take yud kei Yud is the, the coin or whatever it is, a check. Hey is our hand. Hand you're giving it with, and the arm you're giving it with, and the hay is the receiving hand. So interesting. So, taking the, this physical act of charity and making it spiritual. So, the angels of God ascend and descend the ladder. The very ladder, which in Hebrew is numerical equivalent, is interesting. Surah, we said, is 136. It's also the equivalent of the word Sinai. Sinai, the word Sinai, which is now Sinai. 136. And also to Mabon, money. So, climb the mountain of God. Through Sinai, obviously, when you learn Torah at Sinai, you're climbing the mountain of God. Number two is you're also climbing the mountain of God with money. Uh, beautiful. We have this concept of uh, spirituality, bringing spirituality into this world. Symbolically, Jacob's dream was about Sinai and the proper use of material blessings. Right. The idea is the ladder was meant to illustrate the idea of holiness, representing harmony between heaven and earth. We sanctify the flesh in order to raise it, to elevate it. Yeah, I'm not going to compare it to other religions, but that's Judaism is a religion of sanctification of the physical, of enjoying the physical, raising the physical to spirituality. You can't do that if you don't have physicality. We don't say poverty is good. We say poverty is bad. It's a sickness. So we have to cure it. How do we cure poverty? The answer is by giving. <laughs> Very simple. Hashem says, I create poverty in the world, not for people to be poor. I create poverty in the world for people to give there's an opportunity to grow through this It's sort an of opportunity. See, a poor person's an opportunity for you. Boy, and in, uh, you know, today in, uh, in, in New Shalai, there were a lot of poor people collecting in, in the city, guys, i tell you. Uh, one of the guys next to me said, what happened? They, they hired a bus? <laughs> they all, <come>, so <laughs> that's a joke. Okay, but anyway, you see people come, like five, at least five, six people came today collecting. This one, you know, married off a daughter, married off a son, everyone's in debt. Somehow they're collecting. People are collecting. So every time you give money, yud up gate, okay. the coin is the yud, the hand end the giving is the hay, the vav is the arm, and the hay is the hand. hand of the receiver. Well, okay, so who is who? Which holiday represents which forefather? And the answer is Pesach, is Abraham, Passover, Is Abraham, why? Abraham loved God. Abraham loved God. And it's a first step in our relationship with God. He started the first step in relationship with God. Our first step is a people relationship with God was Pesach. Pesach is the first step in our relationship with God. And Israel saw the great work which God did upon the Egyptians and the people feared God. And they believed in the Lord and his servant Moses, Exodus 14. So we see that the relationship with God started with Passover. Who does that represent? Who had the first relationship with God? Abraham. Passover is the key to the commandment focused on faith. I am the Lord your God. This is the Ten Commandments, First and second Commandments. Took you out of the land of Egypt, the house of bondage. And believe in me, Hachem says. I did it for you. I actually physically took you out of Egypt. That's amazing. And uh, the message of Pesach is Complete, total faith in God with all your heart. And that's why it says there's a midrash, an amazing midrash. It says when the three angels came to Abraham to visit him when he was sick, looking at the me Mila, he did a circumcision. They came to visit him to visit the sick. And what was he doing? He was celebrating Passover. That's what the Midrash says. He was having his matzah. <laughs> and even later on, when they went to Sodom, the whole place, there's a lot doing, celebrating Pesach as well with matzah. So interesting Rashi's over there. They bring the Midrash over there. So that's Abraham Abinu's faith in Passover. Pesach. Abraham Abinu is faith, which we learned as a people in Passover. We, Hashem, we saw the miracles Hashem did. We believe in Hashem. There's no other God but God. Okay, beautiful. With all your soul, the acceptance of Torah at Sinai, coupled belief to total commitment, even at the possible loss of one's life. It's amazing. We should never have to do this, but how many Jews gave their lives to God? How many young boys and girls of your 18-year-olds go to the army and give their lives for their people and their country and their God? So it's a, it's an amazing concept. It's a, yeah, but it's not, there's no mitzvah to die. the no is to live. There's no mitzvah to die. I'd rather live as a Jew than die as a Jew, right? The mitzvah is to eat and drink mm-hmm. and live as a Jew. That's what we want because life is very precious to us. Life is the most important mitzvah. Well, how do we know? Because you can break Yom Kippur to live. You can eat on Yom Kippur. You can, you know, the holiest day of the year, we eat. If you, if you need to eat, go to eat. You know, I, I saw this story. It says, Rabbi Yosef, when he was the chief rabbi of Tel Aviv, spend the Arab Yom Kippur. You know what you did, Arab Yom Kippur? The eve of Yom Kippur here, go to the hospitals to persuade people to eat on Yom Kippur. To tell them life is the most important thing. Those go eat, you're sick, you need to eat. You tell them how much to eat, what to eat. And that's a very, can you imagine spending your air Yom Kippur, getting better things to do in Yom Kippur, you go to the hospitals, obviously when he was younger, and persuade people to eat when they need to eat. And it's very big mitzvah. You know, they went, one day, Rebbe was very sick before Yom Kippur, and his uh, Hasidim were very terrified. What are we going to tell the Rebbe? He's got to eat. The doctor says he's got to eat. How are you going to tell the Rebbe he's got to eat and Yom Kippur? So when they told the Rebbe, they were scared. He's going to scream and shout. He was happy. He said, Rebbe, how come he's so happy? He says, so the Rebbe says, I served God by fasting. Now I'm going to serve God by eating. So it's a beautiful idea. We can serve God by fasting, but also that we serve God by eating and staying healthy. That's critical. and very important mitzvah in the Torah. Stay healthy. It's one of the few mitzvot the Torah says meod. You will guard your souls very carefully. Which the rabbis say, one of the, one, one, of the perishim, one of the commentaries is that you will guard your life very carefully. You will guard your health very carefully. So, very important. With all your soul, that's Yitzhak Avili, And with all your wealth is Yaakov Avili. So, with all your soul is Shavuot. Shavuot is the most spiritual holiday. How come it's the most spiritual holiday? There's no mitzvah. Today, there's not a single mitzvah you can do on Shavuot from the Torah. In those days, there's a korban, there's a sacrifice in the temple, but there's, no, there's nothing physically you can do today, which is Torah law. It's all rabbinical law, because it's so spiritual. You can't translate to a physical mitzvah, right? The mitzvah to learn Torah all night, we stay up all night. But that's a minhag, that's all minhagim, rabbinical laws. There's no real tangible mitzvah from the Torah to do on Shabbat. In fact, one of the trick questions, when we sat on a Abedin, we would ask the potential convert, you know, what mitzvah do you do in Sukkot? Oh, you build a sukkah, you shake the lula, What do you do on Pesach? You eat matzah, you get rid of hameds. What do you do on Shavuot? Eat cheesecake. No, that's not. That's not mitzvah. <laughs> that's just, the, there's no mitzvah in Shavuot today. People get. you know, what? There's no mitzvah. Yes, totally spiritual. It's above mitzvah. It's spiritual. And then that is spiritual. That's Mount Sinai. That is Shavuot. So that's Yitzhak uh, Avinu, totally spiritual. Mount Sinai experience. It says the Mount Sinai all died. They lost, their, they, they, they all let, died from shock, from seeing Hashem. Whatever they heard and they saw, whatever they saw and heard scared them so much they had to die. And the angels came and re- revived them. They all they put their souls back in their bodies. Was Some people say he actually died. When he saw that knife coming down, he didn't know it was going to stop. He didn't know Hashem was going to stop. He really, his soul left him and he was revived. So same thing as as uh, Shavuot, and we got the Torah. Sukkot, all your wealth, you have to serve God Allah. Wealth, I don't know about you, but buying a lulav, it's like, you know how much an etrog costs? 10 cents. You buy an etrog any time of the year, 10 cents. All of a sudden, the price goes up. It goes up not just 10 times, 100 times, thousands of times. The price of an etrog goes up. And who buys the etrog? The Jews are meant to be so smart. We're good investors, right? You go and buy the etrog, which is worth 10 cents for thousands of cents. What, what's the reason? The answer is we know to invest. We know what to invest in. We know what brings the highest level of reward. The answer is the highest level of reward is spirituality. That's the highest level of reward. That's how we get out. We get the highest level of reward by investing in spirituality. So that's the course. So God so investing money. You buy a That's a joke. You're buying a branch from a tree. I mean, everyone, if you hear what people pay for their lula, you, you tell, you know, uh, yeah yeah, what can I tell you? But you know, we're Jewish. We appreciate mitzvahs, so they gouge us. Whatever the guys are selling, but they make a fortune. Hopefully, there's rabbis they'll make a living out of it. People, people do make a living out of it. Selling uh, lulavim and is a big business. It's a big business because the markup is amazing. To serve God with all your wealth, fine. We give money to buy these spiritual things to show that we love God with our wealth. We love God with what we have. So, Scott we let men to leave our homes. Our key possession, live in a fragile heart to remind us that no matter our amount of wealth, we live under the rule of the one in heaven. We live under Hashem. We don't live in our money. You know, it says on the dollar bill, in God we trust, right? The truth is we trust the dollar bill. Sukkot proves you trust in God. When you leave your physical possessions and you go and live in the heart, then you prove that you live, you trust Hashem. So it's interesting, because that's the book. The book we read on Sukkot is Kohelet. You know, every holiday has a book, right? So, uh, Pesach is, she, Rashi, song is songs, the love of God. That's the real love of God. And Shavuot, we read the book of Ruth, because she converted, it, I'm sure it's like linked to Shavuot. We all converted to Shavuot, like Mount Sinai. And uh, the book we read on, 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 on Sukkot is like anti-physicality, which is is what spiritual book.
1: You know, everything physical is
0: vanity. Only spirituality is something worthwhile. So that's the book we read on um, And that's the last line in credit. This is the last word. Credit says King Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes in chapter 12, verse 13 and 14. This is the last word. All has been said. Have fear of God and keep his laws because this is right for everyone. God will be the judge of every work with every secret thing, good or evil. So we show our faith in God by building a sukkah and living in a sukkah. It's interesting. When I was, a, a, I was in college in England, and I had a Welsh professor. So he spoke with a very Welsh, Welsh accent. You know, I was doing engineering in London. And uh, so it's like I'm taking days off. Like rush on, and take two days off. And real we'll people take a day off. And, you know, they, they, the guy's scratching his head now. And I come to him again. I said, I need days off. He said, what now? So what's, you know, It took two days off here. It took one more day. What, what now? I said, it's Sukkot. He said, Sukkot, never heard of it. He says, what is it all about? So we go and live in a hut in the backyard, scratching his head. What? What What does that represent? So we we trust in God. We're leaving our physical houses and we're going and trust in God. He said, oh, that makes sense, he said. So Baruch Hashem made sense to him. It's going to make sense to us as well. So we're leaving our physicality and living in the hut. And that's it's interesting because this is explicit in the Torah, right? Where does the Torah mention Sukkot? First, in, in Rashid. Genesis 33, amazing. And Jacob journeyed to Sukkot and built himself a house and made booths for his cattle. He journeyed to a place called Sukkot. Here we have the link between Yaakov and Sukkot. So that's the link. It's, so it's, he's the patriarch of the surf with his money. And this is how we learned to love Hashem. We love Hashem like Abraham. And we get to the region. Well, Abraham Abini, but said our DNA. Love God like Abraham. Um, believe in God, that's it, no one else. Number two, love God when you're talking if you have to good your life. Hopefully you will going get to that. And love God like Yaakov who gave his material wealth to God, ten percent to God. So that is amazing and you know, a beautiful Kabbalistic idea over here. The Arizal says, How many walls in a sukkah? If you said four, no. If you said three, but no, it's two and a little bit. It's two plus a tefah. A tefah is a hand breath. So a tefah is a hand breath. It's two walls plus one handbreath. Okay. So what's that? What does that represent? So Aiza says amazing idea. He said, the two walls are your arm. Your arm has two joints: the higher joint and the lower joint. That's the two walls of And the, the, that little piece which is joining that is the hand. It's an embrace. God is embracing us. We have to when we sit in the circle, remember. The sukkah represents Hashem's embrace. Hashem is embracing us. That's an amazing concept. Hashem is embracing us on sukkur. Take a look at your arms, says Rabbi Yitzhak Nuriyah Dariza. You will notice it's division into three distinct sections, each one usually extending in a different direction. The first is the arm itself, from the shoulder to the elbow. The second is the forearm, from the elbow to the wrist. And The third section is, of course, the wrist to the edge of the fingers. Now take a good look at the sukkah. That's the side of the sukkah. Two walls and a little bit. That's a right arm's embrace says, Hashem's embrace. When you sit in the sukkah, think of Hashem is embracing you. You're like in the clouds of glory. Hashem is, is all, all around Beautiful, beautiful concept. And he says another thing. He says, You gotta think that not just you're embraced from the front, you're embraced from the back. Hashem loves us from the front and the back. What does that mean? What's the idea of being embraced in the front? So, how do you express love? Let's go into a concept. How does a person express love? Number one is through words and affection. I love you. Number two, a more powerful expression is a kiss. Right? Number three is a gaze. Like That's many old people how they express their love is stare at each other, stare at each other with love. Uh, you know, sometimes they sometimes a the kid says, you know, why why are you staring at me? So I'm expressing love but They don't understand that. How do you express love by looking at someone? So just by looking, a will see love. You know, it's a beautiful story. Also, all for the boss. You gotta get that book. you haven't read all for the boss they are really missing out on some really high level of spirituality. It's a beautiful book. It's about Rabbi Yaakov Herman, who was a, a, a young immigrant to New York, who became the destination for all people raising money. He would go and stay in his house, right? And Baruch Hashem is wealthy enough, and he writes over there that it's called "All for the Boss." He, who's his boss? Hashem was the boss. Hashem was his boss, Rabbi Yaakov Herman, and whatever he did, he did for the boss. A beautiful concept whatever you do do for the boss everything you do do for the boss so he writes over there that his daughter just got married actually the, the daughter wrote the book and she just got married and uh, and she sees that you know it's the shepherd she brought up. she's sitting next to her husband a new husband and her parents are sitting opposite edges of the table opposite ends of the table so she says
1: daddy and mom you look know, strange right
0: i'm I love my husband I sit next to him and you're sitting so far away And they said, your closeness is our gaze. Because we can express love by looking at each other far away from each other. You have to be close to express your love. We we can be far away to express our love. It's a beautiful idea, this concept of gazing at someone. And the fourth is embrace. Big hug. Big hug. That's the best. That's what children only appreciate. Children appreciate big hugs. If you don't hug them, then you say don't oh, love them. imagine the kid falls down, he hurt his finger, his bleeding finger, you put on a band-aid and you walk away. Now, what kind of affection are you showing to that kid? And the answer is nothing. So you may care, but you don't love that kid. So if you take the kid in your arms and you hug that kid, ah, oh, the kid is so feels so good. And that's a hug. And that's how Hashem. That's what we're meant to feel in the sukhah. We're meant to feel Hashem hugging us with this fourth level of love. It's amazing Okay, and children enjoy being spoken to. They take pleasure from being kissed, to be looked at with affection. But more than anything, they cherish being hugged. You know, after a certain age, obviously, they don't carry this too far. You know, after the certain they don't look like uh, uh, only Americans like being hugged. The British are very standoffish. You know, don't hug me, don't come near me. You know. um, okay, so this interesting idea. Now, what's interesting is also there's two forms of love. There's reciprocal love and unconditional love. Reciprocal love is when you get something, you want to give back. That's reciprocal love. And that is to the face. That's frontal. Frontal is reciprocal love. I give you, you give me, I give you a present. You can be the present, it's face to face. And there's another thing, which is unreciprocal love, which is no strings attached. And that's love from behind. That's Hashem. Hashem gives us, whether you look towards it, if you don't look towards it, there's love from behind. That is the hug. The, hug, the hand from behind is the hug. Is the hug which shows I, I don't care if you give me or you don't give me? I'm going to give you regardless. That's the behind. So that's why children especially appreciate that because that shows you love them with no strings attached. Very, very important. And that's, that's our relationship with God on Sukkot. We feel God's love. We're meant to feel God's love on Sukkot. Now I want to tell you another beautiful idea, which is joy, 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 joy. joy. Where's joy? Oh man, joy. And the answer is you know there's, theres a lot of words for joy. How do we know? because we say all these words that are at a right right all these all these words we sing in the in the show, these are all words for joy, different kinds of joy. but I want to talk about two kinds of words of joy, and one of them is used the most in this quote. Simcha. Simcha is the word used for joy. It's interesting. Simcha became the name of boys in Ashkenazim and it's the name of women you know, in Sorry, my sister is called Simcha. You know, it's, it's interesting how I don't know where, I don't know where that came from. You know, why the boys in Ashkenazim are called Simcha and why girls call Simcha? I think that you know, Simcha means joy, simcha means happiness. So, be happy in your Sukkot. Sukkot is meant to be the most happy time of the year. And in fact, it was a time of party where in the in the holy temple. They party every night. Obviously, the parties were different than our parties. You know, they had, No one got drunk. Uh, there was segregation in the men and women. In fact, that was the first machitza in, in, in history. The first mechitzah in history was this mechitza they made in Sukkot because they saw men and women started fraternizing. Like it was such a happy time. People started fraternizing. So they put the women upstairs in a balcony. And that's what happened. That's the first separation which happened in the second temple period. You can imagine the first temple period, there was no, there was no fraternizing. People were in awe of the temple. But in the second temple period, the, the level of spiritual, spirituality dropped. And that's when the first mochitsa. Okay, so every night was a party. It was called the water drawing ceremony. Everyone knows that song, a famous song, if you're, if you're my age or, or a little bit younger, maybe. yeshua right? That's a song for drawing the water. They would draw the water. Every time of the year, they would actually pour water on the altar. Right. Every day you had a sacrifice and you poured wine on the altar. On the seven days of Sukkot in Israel, which are is eight days outside Israel, they would pour water on the altar. Why? Because how do you pray to God for water? If you give water, you get water. Whatever you do is reciprocal with Hashem. You give the water, you get the water. You give the food, you get the food. But obviously today we can't, we can't do that. So what do we do? We pray. All our prayers, a lot of the prayers on Sukkot are based on water. You shake love, you're praying for the rain and the and the, and the and the wind in four directions, six directions. And, and we ask for, to God for beneficence. And the prayers, when you change from, uh, on Sukkot, we change from asking for do, we change to praying for rain. Anyway, it's a happy, it's a happy festival. It's a very, very happy festival. And uh, that's the Simcha, Simcha. It's important to give, to do mitzvah with Simcha. And where do you we know this idea? Get, it's important to give Selech like, Simcha, Tov ein hu kinatan milachmol eddal. Okay? This is a pasuk, um, which, is, which, is, uh, which is a pasuk, which is brought down by the Ramah. The Ramah says this, in Orachayim, uh, Siman Kuf Kafchet, in chapter 128, Halacha Mem 44. And he says over there, we do mitzvah with, with uh, joy, it's a much higher level, and the uh, Orchol Chaim says it's a thousand times the value of a mitzvah without joy. Think about this: a person keeps Shabbat with joy. That's the idea. The idea is only Shabbat. Enjoy Shabbat. When I enjoy a mitzvah, when I enjoy, when I build the sukkah, enjoying the mitzvah—that's very, very important. Actually, the mitzvah is not building a sukkah. The mitzvah is to sit in the sukkah and dwell in the sukkah. That's the mitzvah. So when you go into the su- sukkah and you and you are happy. It's worth a thousand times as the mitzvah without being happy. It's an amazing concept, this idea. You do a mitzvah, do it with joy. That's a thousand times, you get a thousand times value. It's a value. You go to pray, do it with happiness, with gusto. Any mitzvah you do, do it with happiness. Please try and do it with I'm trying myself. It's very hard to do it all the time. Think about it. Happy, happy, happy. I try to be happy all the time. And, you know, I love giving classes. I love it. And I'm happy when I give classes. I really enjoy it. It's really it's, it's Torah, which is with happiness, is joy, it's beautiful. The Torah tells us, you'll be happy with all the goodness. Hashem, that God gave you this goodness. You and your household and the levy and the converts who is within your gates. In other words, if you're happy, share the wealth. Share the wealth, because when you share wealth, you're going to be even happier. It's an interesting concept. We don't think of giving as being a time of joy. Well, you know, When I you know, learn to be a rabbi, you've got to learn how to get the donations. It's part of being the job of, you know, the job of a rabbi. So we had a question. Imagine the guy who's giving this class? He asked this question. When you ask for a donation, who would you like to go to? Do you go to a guy who never gave before or a guy who gave already? So everyone thinks, you know, go to a guy who never gave before. He's not tired of giving. And I said, no, you go to a guy who gave already because when he gave already, he knows the joy of giving. There's a joy of giving, which is higher than a joy of taking out. Everyone, we're all takers. We love to take. But there's a high level of joy, which is a joy of giving. That's what a person's going to cultivate. When you give your grandchildren and you don't get anything back, or you give your children, you don't get anything back. It's a joy of giving not i going through I know mothers, the Jewish mothers, they love seeing their kids eat. That's the joy of giving. That's the joy of giving. Eat, eat, eat. How many? I don't know. My mother, my mother for sure. Eat, eat. Oh. <laughs> I remember going back to England to see my mother, and my brother was my youngest brother was visiting, and, and uh, she's giving food, and she's saying, "Eat, eat." she said, "Mummy, since I've been here, all I've been doing is eat." <laughs> so it's, so it's, that's the that's the joy of Jewish mothers: giving, giving, giving. Eat, eat, eat. That's the highest level of joy. To give, to learn how to enjoy giving. That's, that's a beautiful idea. So Hashem says, be joyous and share your joy. Who too? People who don't have. In those days, the Levy never had land. The Levites never had land. They were they was given masks there, which is some kind of gift that they gave to the Levites. So enjoy the Levy, support your levy, your local Levy. So the Levies well, don't worry. They're, they're very well off. Don't worry. Um, I've noticed Levites, especially, Koine also. Hashem blessed them. Somehow they had this blessing. And uh, and the orphan and the widow. Okay, these are the people who didn't have the have nots in those days. Support them. Be happy with them. But how do you be happy? And the answer when you give them, you're going to be happy. That's amazing. You give, you get. You give something, you get something. What do you get? You get their happiness. Rejoice in all the good things Hashem gave you, you and your family, and the Levite and the stranger, and the orphan, and the widow. They're very, very important. The Rama says an amazing thing. And if you celebrate, your honey. without someone who needs with at your table, it's a celebration of your belly, he says. It's not celebrating a festival, it's celebrating their belly. You're eating because you love to eat. But if you celebrate with someone else at the table, you have hachnassat or achim, especially if someone, say, a single guy or a single woman doesn't have people at home. You're helping someone, you're making them happy. Hashem says, you make them happy, I'll make you happy. So very important to have guests. At the table, especially on the Hagim. The other days doesn't care, but the Hagim, Shabbat, Shabbat is a mitzvah in itself, without guests. Obviously, it's a mitzvah, Ta'wah always a yes, Hakma Sabah, very big, but especially on the holidays. Otherwise, it's a mitzvah of the belly, it's not a It's a basic Rambah. You do it on all the sides, you wake up, what? It's a mitzvah of your belly, and you're not, you're not doing a real mitzvah, you're doing the mitzvah of your own belly. That's tough. Okay, um, big mitzvah to be happy. Ash- so now there's another word for happiness. There's simcha, which is happiness. And there's another happiness, which is the ashrei yashrei We say in the ashrei, right? Ashrei, ashrei vetecha, or the first word in the book of Psalms. What is the first word in the book of Psalms? Ashrei ha'ish. Ashrei ha'ish. Praises of is that a person or happy is a person, because Osher with an Aleph is also happiness Osher with an Aleph, there's Osher with an Ayn, which is wealth, and there's Osher with an Aleph which is happiness Or Ashrei Ha'ish because it should be happy, who's happy? that Ashir, he didn't walk in the ways of the sinners Ashir, i didn't walk in the ways of the sinners alright, the the uh, so these are who's happy, a person is not doing evil both does evil, they think they're gonna be happy. And so it's the trick of the itarah. Eventually is gonna be very sad. So happiness, that's not happiness. Happiness is knowing I'm serving Hashem, in the right thing. Happiness is when your consciousness is clear and you can sleep at peace at night. That's happiness. So that's true happiness. That's ashray. Ashrei Ashvivateha. Happy are those who sit in God's house. You know, it takes a while to appreciate. And every second you sit in God's house, you're getting tremendous reward, especially if you're happy. Just sitting over there. You know, it's interesting. I had a guy I used to deal with, um, who was uh uh he had uh, schizophrenia or some kind of dementia. And, and he he would go mad sometimes, just go crazy, no one could take him. So he would come to me somehow. I don't know why, don't know. because you know why you know you don't know him to me because you had to pay for psychology to come to Rabbi 3. No, no, that's your joke, okay. <laughs> but that's probably some. There's probably some truth in it. So uh, he would come to, to rabbis for psychological guidance. So he would come to me, and he calmed down. The guy calmed down. He would go and sit inside this shoe. There was no one else there. No prayers. No nothing. He didn't come. He didn't. He didn't like coming with other people around. He would sit there and say "I find peace over here. This is God's house, Baruch Hashem." You know, he found peace in spirituality. He didn't find He didn't have peace in his house, in his house, in his life. We'd come to shul and just sit in the shul and just say, See, I wish I were buried inside here. This is where I found <laughs> So it's interesting. And he got buried in the Jewish cemetery, which is amazing from knowing where he came from. At least he got buried in the Jewish cemetery, Baruch Hashem. And uh, so it's a beautiful idea this idea, this happiness is Ashraya And that happiness is you're happy with God. That's a spiritual person, just me and God, I'm happy. I'm learning Torah, me and myself and God, and I'm happy. And that is happiness, but it's a kind of selfish happiness. It's spiritual selfish happiness. I'm happy yeah. sitting in God's house. It's one-on-one. It's God, me and me and God. I love going to share and it's me and God, happy. That's ashray. That's ashray with an Aleph. The simcha is happiness, which is sharing. That's what we have to do on a holiday. It's simcha is you're happy. And ashray says, make other people happy. Make the widow and the orphan and the levy, if they're happy, you're going to be happy. It's a different kind. It's a, it's a social happiness. So there's spiritual happiness, me and God, in a sense of kind of, it's selfish in a sense, but it's Osher. That's Osher with an Aleph, and then it's happiness, which is Simcha. Simcha is, I'm happy. My wife's happy. My children are happy. My grandchildren are happy, even better. My great-grandchildren are happy. Oh, we live that age. And uh, anyone else that I come in contact with, we're going to make them happy as well. This is a machta begecha beezradashem. We'll all have a very joyous Sukkot. will be osher and simcha and everything. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime dot com.